some of these same people are still saying, I really wish I could invest in real estate someday. That would be cool. And I'm kind of like, like, what action have you taken to move yourself forward? Welcome, my friend, to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. And before we get into the show in today's episode, which I know you'll get a lot of value from because we're, we stay out of all the fluffy stuff and we get straight into the good stuff of real estate investing advice, I want to give a quick shout out to today's sponsor, and that's Patch of Land. Uh, they are making this show possible and they're making tons of flipping projects possible all across the country. If you don't know about Patch of Land, then they are the number one company to go to for uh, projects that you're flipping uh, because they have all the money available right now. Um, once you get approved for your your deal and yourself as a sponsor or a borrower, um, you're going to be funded by them. And then they go raise the money through their crowdfunding platform. So you don't have to worry about all that. They'll take care of the, the money and the funding for you. You just have to worry about making sure your project's, project's a success. Uh, they've got something really cool for you. So um, if you are just learning about crowdfunding, uh, they've come up with a guide. It's called the Top 10 Crowdfunding Questions Guide. And they're all the, the questions that you might be asking yourself. And they're all the answers. They don't leave you hanging. They've got answers too. All the answers to those, those 10 crowdfunding questions. So you can go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and get that guide. Uh, and if you think you know everything about crowdfunding, i check this guide out just in case because there are some interesting aspects that you'll learn. So go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and get that guide. Hi, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless, and uh, this is show all about getting the best advice ever with none of the fluff and getting straight to the insights that help move your real estate investing business forward. And today with us, we've got Kevin Buzzluck. How you doing, Kevin? Great, Joe. How are you? Doing really well, my friend. And Kevin is joining us from up north in Ontario, Canada. He's a full-time investor. He currently owns and manages 17 rental units. He manages his own construction team and bought his first investment property, which was a sixplex, for no money down at the young age of 22 years old. He's the host of Lifestyle Housing Radio, and you can find it at lifestylehousing.ca. And non-real estate related, you didn't tell me this, but I went on your website, so I can tell you a non-real estate related fact about Kevin is that he's got a big old bushy beard. So with that being said, Kevin, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on? Yeah, uh, most of the time I have a bushy beard, but uh, I guess uh, I went to, to university in business school, took business in school and kind of, they kind of train you, I guess, to, to push the right buttons and have that corporate job. But I knew that was not for me kind of right away. So wanted something different. I was always entrepreneurial, wanted something kind of where I can set my own hours and be in charge of the, the amount of money I make and that kind of thing. So when I graduated, um, that was one of my needs. And the other one was finding somewhere to live. So yeah, real estate was a great fit for both of those. And, and I purchased that, that rundown. It was a rundown vacant six flex that I, I purchased and uh, moved into it and just began kind of fixing up each unit and, 
and uh, renting them out as it went. You run down vacant sixplex that you purchased with no money down. Tell us how you found it and um, kind of more of the story behind what you had to do to it. Yeah, it was actually a, an MLS deal, and it had it was listed for, for quite some time. I guess no one was really interested in it due to kind of the condition and, and that kind of thing. So while I was still in school, I was kind of looking at deals, and, and I found that one. And then once I was ready to, to move on and make an offer, I kind of went to look at that one. And, and looking back, it was probably probably bit off more than I could chew, but I bit it off and chewed like crazy and, and got it got in there and um, it worked, ended up working out great. By I think we closed in July and then I made kind of a low ball offer on it, which we countered and accepted. Closed in July and by September I'd fixed up and had two occupants in there besides myself and then just kept fixing it up for the next few years. You said you closed on it in July and you had two occupants in September, so August, September, so in two months. And then how long did it take to get the other three units ready and occupied? Well, I lived there for about five years and kind of the work continued on and on that whole time. Um, I was always doing something to it. I don't know exactly when it was fully occupied, probably another year later. But yeah, that that one unit we took, uh, I guess, six weeks to fully renovate. And the other one was just kind of a a paint job and and kind of rented out cheap just to get some some money coming in paying the bills. What was your offer and how did you structure it so that you didn't put any money down but still made it appealing to the seller, you know, being that you were a college student at the time or I don't know if you were a college student at the time, but you're 22. So, you know, I, I assume you didn't have the funds to do it since you did no money down, but maybe that's a correct assumption. No, I didn't. I was I was fortunate enough that I, I had a decent job in school. I, I kind of had a construction job in the summers and... Uh, I was fortunate enough that I didn't have any student debt when I graduated, but I also didn't have any money of my own. But I did. Um, what I did was it was a cash offer for the seller, and I brought in um, a private lender to lend me the funds. And uh, they actually lent me, uh, knowing my skills and what I could do with the place, they lent me a little more, not a whole lot more than the, than the fine price, but they lent me a little bit more so I had some money to kind of start the renovations and that. So it was great. Ah, uh, okay. So you found somebody to who believed in you and your your skill set and the deal, and they loaned you the money so you could do an all cash offer. Plus, they gave you a little bit more to do some of the rehabs, right? Right. How much was the purchase price? It was sixty thousand nine hundred dollars. Sixty thousand nine hundred dollars, and um, how much did they loan you? It was, I believe, sixty five thousand. And what were the terms? It was an open mortgage at a, uh, I believe it was a five or six percent interest rate. Well, and when you say open mortgage, what do you mean by that? I could pay it off the balance at any time, and I believe I I was paying uh, seven hundred and fifty dollars a month. How long was it amortized over? Do you remember? At seven hundred fifty dollars, it's the amortization was about between nine and ten years, and uh, I'm sure I could have negotiated. Uh, a lot lower than that looking back, but I felt like that was a comfortable amount that I could afford. I felt like if I was renting the apartment myself, um, I would be paying that much amount. And uh, looking back, I probably would have gone a lot lower just to try and kind of help with my cash flow issues and and keep more money for myself. But uh, I felt like I wanted to, my idea back then was to pay it off as quickly as possible. That's what I did. Sure. 
And what would you say it's worth now? Now it's around 300 and something. And do you have any debt on it? No. How did you pay off your lender? Just a few years, I had slowly paid it down, and then I kind of had built up some money through through uh, working and some other deals that I had done, and then just paid off the balance. And uh, yeah, now it, I mean, now it's just amazing cash flow, and it's provided me a lot of great opportunities to leverage, like when I learned to to build some on the future deals and and what I can do with the, the money I make. How much would you say, not including your labor? costs, your own labor costs, but how much would you say in materials did you spend on the the rehab? Oh, probably all said and done um, around 80000 80, Okay. So you're talking 80000 worth of materials and then 65000 or 60000 ish dollar purchase price. So what is that, one forty? And then how many hours would you say you spent on it? <laughs> It's hard to say because I was living there and uh, at first I was just kind of spending my evenings and weekends kind of, um, it's certainly not how I do my projects now where I bring my team in and we just kind of spend three or four months doing it. I kind of spent like five years renovating this place as I was living there. So it's, uh didn't really keep great tr- track of, yeah. of how much it costs or how much time I spent and um, I'm probably glad I didn't. <laughs> All's well that ends well, at least from the perception standpoint. But clearly it did with it being worth what it is. Is is that in Ontario? Yes. So now you've got 17 rental units. How did you go from those six to the remaining 11? What'd you do? My next purchase was a a duplex that was kind of really, it was, there was a fire through it, right? So it was totally gutted. And uh, I did the same type of deal where I kind of borrowed the purchase price and the repair cost, spent almost a year renovating that one, and then kind of refinanced and paid my paid my lender back. It's like a big chunk of the money. And then with the money I made, I uh, bought some like really cheap rundown houses that I fixed up and uh, did a few flips that way to kind of build capital. All this while I was working, uh, still working my summer construction job and kind of doing this through the winters and on the weekends and evenings and stuff like that. So it's just been two years where I kind of, two years ago, I kind of realized, hey, like I'm making more money part-time on these flip projects and whatnot than I have in my construction job. So I kind of decided to quit and do this full-time. And, and uh, since then, I've, I've uh, flipped about four more houses and and uh, been growing my, uh, my buy and hold portfolio. So your models essentially, or, or has been, where you find distressed property, you purchase it with by borrowing the purchase price money and repair cost money, and then you exit out your investor or investors and you keep it long term. Yeah, more recently I've been putting more of my money into the deal since uh, I have more now than I can. Uh, a few of the houses I flipped were in the thirty to forty thousand range, so um, some of those I paid cash for and then just kind of renovated and. And why are you putting your money in it now, even if the lower purchase price, why not continue to use that same model? I guess just the challenge in finding the the lenders willing to to do that, like this person was tapped out and I guess I'm in the process now of looking looking to bring more partners in uh, who can do that. It's qualified for a mortgage also has become difficult with uh, being self-employed and stuff like that, so... I guess that's my next step, is trying to bring in more partners to 
to complete more deals that way. How big is your construction crew? There is four of us, including myself. And what are the roles for each of the four of you? I try and hire people that, like I have a pretty diverse construction background. I can do a lot of the stuff myself, and uh, that's kind of how I started out doing a lot of it myself. But, I mean, it's not always the best choice to do that. You can make a lot more money, I found, kind of hiring other people out. So I try and hire people first for the jobs I don't like to do as much. And then um, I also look for people who could do a better job than me for less money than I'd be willing to do it. So they can basically do all the different things or a lot of different aspects of the jobs that you can do. You just choose to have them do it for because it's less expensive or you don't enjoy doing it, right? Correct. What are some of those jobs? Oh, uh, we do we do full guts, right? So drywall, right through flooring, you know, kitchen cabinets, installing the kitchens, the bathrooms, painting, bit of everything. So... Kevin, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? My best advice ever, I would say, uh, I guess figure out the reason you're investing, what it's going to do for your life. I mean, there's tons of different investing strategies out there. And I think by knowing why you're investing, you're in a good position to kind of pick the one that works best for you. And then I guess once you choose that strategy, just kind of really focusing on that one thing and becoming really good at that thing that'll open up a lot of good opportunities i was gonna also say like just taking action is i'm sure uh, people have said that before but it really comes down i mean when i started investing there's people in my life who would say you know kevin uh, that's cool that you're investing in real estate i really want to do that and it's, it's been almost 10 years later and these some of these same people are still saying i really wish i could invest in real estate someday that would be cool and i'm kind of like like what action have you taken and move yourself forward and just Kind of, it's definitely scary getting that first deal done, but you just jump in there sometimes and do it. What's the reason why you're investing, and then how did you use that reason to pick the way that works best for you? The reason that I'm investing is for my financial security. So my ideal is to kind of, ideally, I want my my rental income to support my lifestyle. So cash flow from my rental properties to fulfill all my financial needs. That's my ultimate goal, I guess. So. So I could choose whether I want to, to work or what job I want to do. So for me, that's that's a long-term buy and hold with great cash flowing properties. So um, the construction part just came with it because that's a skill set I had. And also I can find a lot cheaper properties and add value to them that way. And then they cash flow a lot more. And I also focus on multifamily properties, which provide a larger cash flow as well. I'm going to ask you a random question about construction. You ready for this? I'm ready. All right. What's the worst type of rehab job to do? Just like the, the one where like, oh, I really don't want to do this. For me, that would be roofing. You're up there in the hot sun on the black tar. Uh, there's never any shade and it's usually really hot and sweaty and heavy work. And dangerous too, right? Hmm. All right, Kevin, you ready for the best ever lightning round? Sure. Did you get a prize? <laughs> you you get a big old virtual hug, handshake, and high five, and I'll even give you another compliment about your beard. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Crowdfunding. You've heard about it. Now it's time for you to learn about it. 
Our best ever sponsor today, Patch of Land, they're the leading expert in the crowdfunding space, and they've got all the answers to all of your crowdfunding questions. Go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and get your copy of the top 10 answers to the top 10 crowdfunding questions. That's P-A-T-C-H-O-F-L-A-N-D.com forward slash best ever. Kevin, what's the best ever book you've read? The book I'm going to suggest for you guys, and a lot of your audience might not have heard of it, it's by Don R. Campbell. It's called Real Estate Investing for Canadians is actually the title. But despite the title, there is some information for Canadians, but also just tons of great general um, real estate investing advice. Actually, any of his books are really solid. Oh, interesting. You're right. I haven't come across that one. I'll have to check it out. Best ever personal growth experience and what did you learn from it? Growing up, I was a competitive freestyle skier, and um, I've also been coaching freestyle skiing for, for 12 years now. And I find, like, I don't, besides being a, a skiing coach, I also consider myself a bit of a life coach because some of these skills that I learned doing that and that I now teach, they're stuff that can kind of transfer. They're skills for success, really. They transfer throughout many different things, like effective goal setting, for example, visualization, and just kind of that persistence and determination that you need to be successful in sport or in kind of any endeavor in life, really. Best ever deal you've done? I would say that first six flex, I'm going to say, and not not necessarily for the numbers, but just because it really got me started and I was able to leverage kind of what I learned and the money I make to do the future deals. Best ever project you're most excited about right now? Oh, the uh, the real estate investing podcast that I just started. It's uh, lifestylehosting.ca. It's uh, I've just been doing a ton of interviews and, and meeting a ton of great people so far, and uh, getting a chance to learn a bunch of cool stuff. It's uh, been lots of fun. Best ever way you like to give back? I like to give back by teaching, teaching others what I know. That was that was part of the reason why I, I launched the podcast, and. Uh, also, I get to learn cool things, which is a great benefit, but uh, getting to share what I know with other people is, is a cool thing. And what's the biggest mistake you've made in real estate? The biggest mistake I made, let's see, I haven't really made any major mistakes. I've kind of been taking it slow. I find the deal, kind of fix it up, make sure it's really cash flowing well, and then move on to my next deal. So there are, there are some definite mistakes I've made. One that comes to mind is I made an offer on a, a building with a listing agent, which I guess was my mis- first mistake, and he'd actually uh, lied to me about some stuff, but uh, my mistake really was not doing the full due diligence that I should have done, and after I fulfilled the conditions or waived my conditions, uh, the lawyers found some stuff that uh, was a bit concerning, and I didn't end up closing on that deal and uh, walked away from my deposit on that. How much was the deposit? 1000 and you said your first mistake was giving the offer to the listing agent. Why did you say that? They're really working for the seller in truth. And uh, although, I mean, they should be representing your best interest, they, there's kind of a conflict of interest there. Now I found a great realtor that I work with on my own deals and it's just found it way better. Kevin, thank you for sharing your advice. And before we go, what's the best ever place to reach you? I guess over on lifestylehousing.ca, there's the contact form. You can fill that out or just send it on over to kevin at lifestylehousing.ca. Awesome. Well, definitely go check that out. Best ever listeners, if you're interested in learning more about Kevin and his business and the people that he's interviewing on his show, you know, this was an interview 
that educated me on kind of another scenario of how someone got started. I mean, how many different times can I hear this and be inspired? Countless, however many times there are, because I love hearing people's stories about how they got going and how they made it happen. I mean, at 22 years old, Kevin went out and got a, a loan from a private lender and uh, loaned him $65,000 on the sixth unit and then started fixing it up and little by little rented it out and he purchased it for $60,900 in total. He had about $4,000 worth of money he could put towards the property improvements. Then he spent about $80,000, although as Kevin admits, he wasn't necessarily keeping exact track of the dollars and time. That's also important to note. He was doing the work himself. But even with that, I mean, that's $240,000 and he estimates it's worth about $300,000 now. And again, does not include his time. But boy, that education right there, isn't it nice to get paid for your education? I think that's the best way to approach it and and to go. And uh, anytime you can have a project where you're being educated and you're getting paid along the way and have a long-term hold to show for it, that's the way to do it. That's good tuition right there. And then talking about his duplex and his next purchase, the duplex, and kind of how he's looking for distressed property. So thank you for being on the show, Kevin, and we'll talk to you soon. Great. Thanks for having me.